This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We uh, have a lot of ground to cover today. In our second segment, we're going to have a special guest, which I'd like you to hear, Amy Kubich will come, be coming to us from Planned Parenthood with some important information, uh, I think particularly for students here at UC Davis, about the issue of contraception. So stay tuned for that. Um, let's start off today, though, with a bit of a lighter fare, some, uh, some emails and things off the web. Uh, one that caught my eye, Governor Davis, apparently one on David Letterman last week, the second governor in U.S. history to be recalled from office. Our governor's never been known for his sense of humor, but he jumped at the chance, evidently, to tape the top 10 countdown for Letterman, in which he offered bits of advice to his Republican successor, actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Number 10, when you realize you don't know what you're doing, give me a call. <laughs> I think the one I like the most. Number 9, bits of advice to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Baby oil will stain the mansion's Italian silk sofa. <laughs> Number eight, listen to your constituents, except Michael Jackson. Number seven, sorry, joke number seven was recalled. Six, to improve your approval rating, go on Leno. When you get kicked out, go on Letterman. (laughs) Number five, study the master, George W. Bush. Followed with, I'm just kidding. Number four, you could solve the deficit problem by donating your salary from Terminator 3. Uh, let's see, I don't like number three. Number two, while giving a speech, never say Santa Cruz, Santa Barbara, same thing. And advice number one for Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's pronounced California. Here's an email sent us by Sharon. Uh, This is for older people. We have a lot of students listening, but a lot of older folks, too, I'm sure of that. Um, Some advice here. Exercise advice for those of us getting along in years. A little secret for building your arm and shoulder muscles. You might want to adopt this regimen. So, what you do is you begin by standing straight with a five-pound potato sack in each hand. Extend your arms straight out from your sides and hold them there as long as you can. Try to reach a full minute then relax. After a few weeks of doing this, you should do this three times a week at least, move up to a 10-pound potato sack, and then to a 50-pound potato sack, and eventually try to get where you can lift a 100-pound potato sack in each hand and hold your arms straight out for more than a full minute. After you begin to feel confident at that level, start putting a couple of potatoes in each of the sacks, but be careful not to overdo it. Here's one from our media correspondent, Gary Chu, a commentary on George Bush's speech at the UN. A man's driving down the freeway, and his cell phone rings. His wife's calling. I just heard in the news that some nut's driving the wrong way in the interstate, she tells him. You'd better be careful. I know, I know, says her husband. But honey, I gotta tell you, it's not just one car. It's hundreds of them. And I've gotten an email from Araj, uh, interesting uh, anomalies in this gubernatorial election. 
Apparently, an openly gay candidate receives 400 votes in his home county of L.A., a mere 50 votes in San Francisco, but gets 532 in Fresno, finishing fifth in that county. In Tulare County, he receives 995, finishing fourth. Odd. I have my doubts about this uh, this voter technology that's um, you know supposedly revolutionizing things. Under well, we've talked about this in the show before, and we will talk about it again. We're going to have investigative journalist Jerry Polikoff come on and uh, bring us up to date on some very worrisome findings in the area of um, controlling the vote by controlling the machines. Jerry uh, sent me an email that uh, that I think I want to mention. Uh, you remember hearing about this U.S. Department of Defense um, putting the kibosh on their policy analysis market, where you basically were uh, you were allowed to to make bets on the market, as it were, on whether there would be terrorist acts. Apparently, John Poindexter of Iran Contra fame was this was his brainchild. Well, Jerry sent me an email that points out that the policy analysis market is back in business without government funding. Now, someone had the idea that you were, if you were able to bet on disasters taking place, this would give some idea through the market that a disaster was about to take place. It sounds pretty crazy, but it'll be back open for trading in March 2004. Interesting story this week. China has now joined Russia slash the USSR and America uh, among the nations putting a man into space. The Chinese are calling them Taikonauts. The Russians call them cosmonauts. We call them astronauts. What will we call the people that go up from the European Union? I don't know. Why don't we have a contest? Send in your suggestions to info at radioparallax.com about what the Europeans should call their brand of knots. The Chinese are talking about going on to the moon and maybe on to Mars after that. This may sort of get the space race rekindled. I, I hope so. We need to do something about our manned space program besides sending people up to this orbiting Hilton Hotel we have spinning around the Earth for no good reason. There's water on the moon, we think. There's water on Mars. This is interesting stuff, and we will, uh, we will be coming back to that. I understand that Ted Dunning over at This Week in Science, this is one of, his, uh, one of his pet projects, and so maybe we'll have Ted come on and help us talk to you about that. Headline of the B, yesterday, medical pot, a big winner. Apparently the White House's bid to punish physicians with a gag rule, yes, punish them for even recommending marijuana, has apparently been dealt a fatal legal blow by a judge. We've talked about this on this program before. This is one of the more disgusting aspects of, uh, of federal law enforcement. And thank God, sanity appears to have prevailed, um, at least for now. We're going to have to spend some time on this topic. I always say that in the beginning of this show, but we will. we will. We've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. But uh, today's not the day. But, you know, in the short term, I say bravo. Apparently, the Supreme Court is going to decide on the Pledge of Allegiance case based on uh, what happened right here in Elk Grove, just south of Sacramento. Uh, apparently, atheist Michael Newdow has uh, objected to the fact that his daughter is required to say the Pledge of Allegiance, including the words, under God. The Supreme Court's already decided that you cannot be compelled to pledge allegiance to the flag, but they're going to decide now whether the issue of separation of church and state comes into play when you include under God. Now, the, the pledge never had the phrase under God originally, but it was put in in the 1950s during the Cold War to supposedly separate the U.S. from the godless communist bloc. 
So this one's going to be interesting, too. Story from Germany. A German woman watching her high-definition television apparently called the fire department to report that the television was in flames. Firemen found the set tuned to an early morning program depicting a burning log. Now that is pretty good, uh, pretty good advertisement for the resolution of that high-definition high television, don't you think? Some items out of the Week magazine. 11 top executives of the Direct Marketing Association, which is trying to kill the federal do-not-call list, have registered for the list themselves. So the telemarketers can't bother them at home. That's right, they're registering for the same list they're trying to eliminate. From the Only in America file, the mother of a Kansas City, Missouri man who shot and killed three co-workers before turning the gun on himself has filed a worker's compensation claim because her son died at his job. The Modine Manufacturing Company turned down the claim by Jonathan Russell's mother, but it will still be reviewed by the state. This is probably an odd situation, said a company spokesman. It certainly caught us by surprise. Oh, we shouldn't leave telemarketers too soon. Apparently, CNN commentator Tucker Carlson, the guy with the bow tie, was caught off guard when after defending telemarketers, he was pressed to share his home phone number on the air. Carlson rattled off a number telling viewers, feel free to call me, someone's always there. But the number actually belonged to the Washington Bureau of Fox News, which on their turn responded by posting Carlson's actual home number on their website. An apparently tough guy movie actor, actor in quotes, Bruce Willis, has offered a million dollars to the soldier who captures Saddam Hussein. If you catch him, just give me four seconds with him, Willis told troops on a visit to the Persian Gulf. We should point to a poll taken just last month that shows that 69% of Americans now believe that Saddam Hussein had a role in the September 11th attacks on America, even though the U.S. government says it has no evidence of any such connection. Please, would someone give Bruce Willis a call? I wonder if there's some way we could, uh, you know, get Bruce Willis actually in the military. If he really wants to get Saddam, maybe we could spend some time over there, uh, you know, in Iraq. I think that'd be good for all parties. On an equally intelligent note, singer David Lee Roth was performing a samurai trick as part of his stage show when he evidently hit himself in the face with a wooden stick, knocking himself silly. The wound required 21 stitches. He was doing a very fast, complicated 15th century samurai move, said Roth's spokesman. The 47-year-old rocker canceled the rest of his tour. Another one from the Gossip File, actor Christopher Walken told the San Francisco Chronicle that he celebrates his birthday every time he makes a movie. Quote, I get up early and I'm in the makeup chair at six in the morning. I pretend I'm sad. Sooner or later someone says, Chris, what's wrong? You look a little sad. And I say, well, it's my birthday and I'm all alone. But the key is to say after that, make sure you don't tell anyone. Then, around lunchtime, they have a cake, maybe some gifts, or champagne. That's a pretty cra crappy walk, and I agree, but what a jerk! God, gets a cake, gifts, and champagne. Yeah, it's my birthday. I think they're on to him when it comes to the next movie. I, at least I hope so. 
Now, here's a quote I wanted to throw out. Actually, this was, this was apparently uh, recently quoted in the Ventura County uh, Star down in Southern California. Quote from Governor and President Ronald Reagan. Quote, the best minds are not in government. If any were, business would hire them away. Spoken by a man who spent eight years as governor and eight years as president. But I think in refutation of the uh, former uh, governor and president is this news item that Red Lobster, the restaurant chain, has fired its president after she apparently underestimated the American appetite for crab and approved an all-you-can-eat crab special. The special evidently cost the company a fortune. It wasn't the second helping, but the third, said the company chairman, and maybe the fourth. The best minds are not in government. If any were, business would hire them away. Well, maybe the Red Lobster gal can get a career in government. What do you think, Ronnie? And uh, speaking of Reagan, apparently they've published a a collection of letters that show that he was actually more of a hands-on kind of guy than this image of being a uh, president who was napping his way through cabinet meetings. Letter from Reagan written in 1951. Ronald Reagan was embarrassed by the lust in his heart. Reagan said, Even in marriage, I have a little guilty feeling about sex, as if the whole thing was tinged with evil. Reagan apparently said he'd become more comfortable about sex by observing the guilt-free attitude of primitive Polynesians. Quote, These peoples who are truly children of nature and thus of God accept physical desire as a natural, normal appetite. Sex as a natural, normal appetite? Good heavens! (laughs) I think you should feel guilty about it because the whole thing is tinged with evil. Interesting fellow, Ronald Reagan. For decades, we have piled deficit upon deficit, mortgaging our future and our children's future for the temporary convenience of the present. To continue this long trend is to guarantee tremendous social, cultural, political, and economic upheavals. You and I, as individuals can, by borrowing, live beyond our means, but for only a limited period of time. Why then should we think that collectively, as a nation, we're not bound by that same limitation? Why are we not bound by that same limitation? Well, it's a good question. This was Ronald Reagan's inaugural in January of 1981, when something like 15 months later, Reagan proceeded to borrow $180 billion, which was like three times, I believe, the greatest deficit anyone had ever run. By the time his presidency was up, Ronald Reagan had borrowed more money than all of his 39 predecessors combined. I bring this up because everyone's speculating about what another actor turned politician, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is likely to do. Well... What a politician says he's going to do and what he actually does are frequently quite different. Uh, The Republicans more recently have returned to this rhetoric of Ronald Reagan about 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 fiscal responsibility, but yet the George W. Bush administration has proceeded to borrow over $400 billion this year. This just worries the heck out of me. Does this worry the heck out of you? I think it should. 
I don't see why this isn't a huge story. Uh, it certainly is an alternative news sources, which I recommend that you check out. And by the way, let's put a plug in for our website, which is radioparallax.com. You can send us an email at info at radioparallax.com, and I hope that you will. And speaking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, did you notice this story? October 10th, Sacramento Bee, two try to open path to presidency for foreign-born. Article from Jim Puzingera of the Knight Ritter Newspapers starts out noting that uh, fearful of the potential influence of foreign powers, America's founding fathers required a president to be born in the United States. Now some in Congress want to change that. They want to come up with an amendment to the Constitution that would allow Austrian-born Arnold Schwarzenegger to one day take a shot at the White House. Yes, he hasn't even sat in the governor's chair yet, and they're talking about changing the United States Constitution to allow Arnold Schwarzenegger to become president. And I'm going to have to ask uh, Dr. Andy Jones, who has the Wednesday uh, show, a public affairs show in this same station, the same time slot, Wednesday at 5 o'clock. Dr. Andy's quite a, uh, an aficionado of, of sci-fi movies. i got to ask him about this 1993 film, Demolition Man. Apparently in this movie, uh, they joke about Arnold Schwarzenegger becoming president. There's apparently a lad, they go past a poster and they see Schwarzenegger and it's like, uh, they make some comment about, well, they said they they liked him so much that they changed the U.S. Constitution to allow him to become president. This is 1993. Wow. A tongue-in-cheek moment of satire in a Hollywood film is one thing, but right now, Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican of Utah, who's apparently chair, I think, of the Senate Judiciary Committee, is proposing that we make a constitutional amendment. Now, it's curious. There's another, there's two amendments. Representative Vic Snyder, Democrat of Arkansas, introduced such a bill that it would allow you to run for president after 35 years as a U.S. citizen. Well, Arnold just recently celebrated his 20th year as a U.S. citizen, and oddly enough, Senator Hatch introduced a similar amendment that cuts the time to 20 years. Hatch told the National Press Club last week that this proposal had nothing to do with the fact that Arnold had publicly supported Orrin Hatch in his 1994 Senate race. Owen, oh, by the way, Congressman uh, Vic Snyder, his legislation is being co-sponsored by three liberal Democrats and three Republicans, including Representative Daryl Issa, Republican from Vista, California, the conservative, if I think this may be fresh in your minds, who bankrolled the California recall drive. Said Representative Snyder, if the people in California want to call it the Schwarzenegger bill, that's fine with me. All right, let us go now to uh, one of our co-hosts here in public affairs on uh, KDVS, Steve Valentino, the host of Stop Making Sense, which airs every Friday morning at 8.30. Welcome, Steve. Uh, Good evening, Doug. Now, I understand you had quite a coup on your show. I caught just the end of it. You had uh, Dan Weintraub of the Sacramento Bee uh, on your show. Uh, Yes, I did, actually. It was a very interesting interview. He's getting quite a bit of a sort of even national attention for the fact that he's kind of one of the authorities here uh, in Sacramento about what's going on with the recall. And there's a censorship issue. So tell us about about both. Um, Well, uh, he's appeared on a number of talk shows. I think anything from, like, NPR to Fox News. But the controversy is is arised because uh, he wrote this thing called a blog. Do you know what a blog is, Doug? It's... 
well, for us technically challenged web people, it's where you sort of put a, a diary on the web sort of thing? Yeah, basically. And, and this blog kind of became the, the must-read for political junkies and people who were following the recall. Uh-huh. It became very, very popular. And, and, and he was kind of printing basically whatever he wanted to print, whatever came through his mind. Right. And uh, he said some nasty things about Cruz Bustamani and... Uh, the editorial board at the Sacramento Bee was not very happy with that because they did not get to approve it. Right. So they came along and said, well, now every post that you make on this blog, uh, we're going to have to read beforehand. Okay. And a number of people in the blogging community uh, were not very pleased with that, and so they began what is called the Free Dan Weintraub Movement. <laughs> Well, I happen to have the Sacramento News and Review article by Jeff Kearns about this uh, this this controversy, and uh, they quoted him as saying he didn't feel that he he was in bondage. Yeah, basically, I mean, in the interview when I and when I asked him about it, he said that he was very very flattered by by the people who began this movement, but basically he's an employee for the the Sacramento Bee, and they're entitled to review and 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 slightly edit anything that he does that goes on goes into print even if that is in this kind of new electronic medium. Yeah, so he's not, he's not, he doesn't feel he's being censored a great deal. Not at all. Okay. What, what was his take on this, uh, on this election? It surprised me a lot how supportive he was of Schwarzenegger. He said that basically in his conversations with him and from what he's heard from other people that we really should not be underestimating this guy. And that basically he is, is probably going to be a fairly successful governor. Hmm. Um, he, he basically said that the big loser in all of this, aside from Gray Davis, is Cruz Bustamani. Hmm. Weintraub predicts basically that he's finished in the Democratic Party. Well, Jeff Kearns, I think, has pointed out in other articles that, uh, that uh, Bill Lockyer and Phil Angelides are sitting on top of piles of money to run for governor. So maybe this is the end of Bustamante. It probably is. Thanks for bringing us up to date. We should probably, I should have probably listened to what you had to, the interview with uh, Mr. Weintraub. But, uh, well, you, you can pull it up on the KDVS archives. Oh, thanks for reminding me and the listeners of that fact. It is available at uh, kdvs.org. You can listen to this show. You can listen to Dr. Andy's show. Jeff's anybody's show is available uh, archived for a week on the KDVS website. That's an important thing for us to get out there, isn't it? Yes, it is. What's the web address for your show, Doug? Well, uh, we just gave it a minute ago, but, but oh. thanks for helping. Uh, it's uh, radioparallax.com. Well, it's always good to repeat things. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> well, thanks, Steve. You're doing a good job over there, and uh, we look forward to uh, collaborating more in the future. Thank you, Doug. Well, we're in the middle of a plug fest right now, so I guess we'll put one more in from the Sacramento News and Review, a fine investigative uh, newspaper which comes to you free here in Sacramento and Davis. So uh, you should be probably snagging a copy every Thursday when it comes out. Jeff Kearns has done some good work for them, and we're going to have Jeff, uh, well, case in point, the article on Weintraub. He'll be coming on the show next week to talk about some previous uh, stories he's done regarding the potential new stadium to be built on the Union Pacific Rail Yards in downtown Sacramento, and perhaps a bit about um, uh, Richie Ross, uh, one of the political fixers who's embedded into that whole um, that whole affair. Anyway, uh, we're out of time for this segment, so let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax on KDVS Davis Sacramento Dixon. After the break, we'll be talking to Ann Kubich, as promised at the top of the hour, about some interesting issues regarding contraception. So, don't go away. I'm Douglas Everett.